welcome to the first episode of the healthy gossip a fitness podcast by midday that aims to break down fitness science so that you can make smarter health choices you've heard experts tell you what you need to do to become fit but this podcast will make you understand the reason behind those suggestions when you understand why you are being encouraged to make a lifestyle change we believe you will be persuaded to take the required steps my name is sonia lulla and i have a question for you How many times have you opened a conversation with this statement? It is so hot these days. That's not surprising, is it? Severe heat conditions have been reported across India this year, and if you're accustomed to spending a large part of your day out of your home or office, this season may have taken its toll on you. In this episode, we bring Luke Cutino, a renowned name in the space of holistic nutrition and lifestyle medicine, to help you tweak your summer nutrition chart. Hi Luke, good morning. Welcome to the Healthy Gossip. Hi, good morning. Thanks. So in today's edition, we are trying to establish the importance of seasonal eating. If I have to ask you to drive home the importance of it for our listeners, what would you say that is? So I think nature gives us the right foods, fruits, vegetables according to the season. So like right now we have cooling foods automatically. So if you're eating according to the season, you're automatically eating foods that are cooling for you. But if we're eating out of season, then we have problems of you know heaty foods causing us to sweat more, causing acidity, burning sensations, indigestion. So, for example, mango right now is a cooling fruit, but a lot of people think it's a heaty fruit. Just because people get pimples with mangoes doesn't mean it's heaty, right? It could mean so many other reasons. Right. So again, there are only certain green leafy vegetables that will grow now, certain pulses, and certain fruits. There are summer fruits like watermelon. So although watermelon, you may get it throughout the year, it's not. It's it's not really something that you would have in the cold season because it's a cooling fruit. Okay. So the importance of seasonal, if we really want to eat according to our digestive system, our skin, our hair, our hormones, we should follow exactly the foods, fruits, legumes, lentils that are growing particularly in the summer season, which is right now. Are there some disadvantages of consuming frozen foods? There's no disadvantage, but it's just that you're not doing it seasonal. So, for example, there are cooling foods like yogurt. For example, during the day, it can keep you very cool, but after sunset, it could give the same person a cold. You could have mucus filling in, in your nose. So, if it suits you, you can do it. Freezing vegetables, freezing fruits can also retain a lot of their nutrition. So it's not a problem people freeze mangoes so they can have it whenever they want to later. It's really not a problem. Mm-hmm. But there are health benefits of having foods that grow seasonally and of course fresh is always preferred. Good. If you can have it fresh, but mm-hmm. frozen retains like green peas actually have more nutrition in the frozen form rather than the fresh form. Because from the time they pluck it and then they load it on trucks and it reaches the packaging and warehouse, mm-hmm. it's lost a lot of its nutrition. Mm-hmm. But for companies that package frozen green peas, it's immediately frozen once it's taken out so it actually retains a lot more nutrition so there's the goods and bads of both we know that dehydration is among the most common issues that affects people in the season and we also know that the lack of water and electrolyte imbalance can have obvious repercussions like maybe lack of energy or dizziness but can you highlight the other aspects like its effect on muscles or belly fat that people don't normally know about So dehydration causes an electrolyte balance even a 1% drop of water in your body will affect everyone no matter what so electrolytes uh, like potassium chloride sodium all of these they they like they control impulses not just weight and not just hormones but your brain so that's why sometimes you feel delirious if your sodium levels fall yeah. 
you know, so in hospital they put you on an IV so that your sodium levels come up. It affects your heart because potassium is required for heart function. Like you rightly said for muscle, it, it doesn't really decrease muscle, but it affects muscle contraction. So it's not, not just about your muscle tone, but your heart is also a muscle. So it's slight drop in potassium or sodium can also affect how your heart works, which is why when, you know, you go for your blood test, there are always an electrolyte panel that you look at. You see your sodium, your potassium, your chloride levels. So it's that critical that even a small drop can affect your your way you think, you, you know, you suddenly start feeling confused or you have this brain fog and now you think, you know, you think you're tired. So you'll maybe take more coffee, but now more coffee will dehydrate you, creating a bigger electrolyte balance where all you needed was actually water to balance it out. Or I like coconut water is a powerful electrolyte balancer. I mean, it balances your electrolytes. Or let's say you're walking in the sun or you're working out or you're sweating. When we sweat, we also kind of push out a lot of our sodiums and salts. So that creates a lot of imbalance. So that's why marathon runners sometimes, no matter how fit they are and how much they've trained, they don't finish because they've, they've not calculated their water good enough. They've dehydrated and they have an electrolyte balance. Mm -hmm. So now if I have an electrolyte balance, everything changes in the body, including hormonal communication. So it can impact my estrogen, which will lead to weight gain. So that's how it, it is so important for everything in the body to work on the basis of communication. What are the changes that you bring about to your and your clients' charts right at the onset of summer? We just, we just uh, shift to an option of seasonal fruits, okay. seasonal vegetables. That's the only thing because our change is based on a very holistic concept. Mm. It doesn't matter what weather it is, but you still got to work out. You still got to sleep well. You still got to look after your emotional wellness. So the foods will change. Like a lot of people who have jaggery in winter, okay. we'll probably move them away from it from summer or we'll decrease the quantity and we'll start using local foods or seasonal foods. If people want all kinds of foods, we fit that in as well. But if they are getting dehydrated, we'll start using water-rich vegetables, water-rich fruits like cucumbers have almost 90% water. Watermelons is one of the most hydrated fruits. So that's why you'll see a lot of people on the road, you know, um, construction workers, laborers, they always have guava and watermelon on the carts because these are very, very hydrating fruits. It gives them a lot of energy. Mm -hmm. So we make these simple shifts in their diet. And of course, we monitor their water intake more closely. Do you have a set amount of water that you ask your clients to consume? No, everyone's different. Right. It's really dependent on it dependent on your body weight, on your size, what kind of work you do, how much you're in the AC, how much you're out. And of course, some patients who are kidney patients have a water restriction yeah. or they're on dialysis. They have a certain amount of water that has to be regulated. So it's always different for everyone. People who are sedentary may not meet, need that much of water compared to someone who's working out and sweating. Hmm. So it's different for everyone. What are your recommendations for Weight Watchers and diabetics when it comes to consuming fruits? See, weight problems could be depend, I'm dependent on so many reasons. Someone can be lazy mm. and fruits isn't the problem. It's the laziness that's mm. the problem. Mm. Someone could be sleep deprived and putting on weight. The problem is not the fruit. The problem is, you know, now if you have a fatty liver, example, or you have a fructose intolerance or you have fluctuating blood sugar levels or insulin resistance, then fruits will play an important role where you cut it down until you start putting the fundamentals in. You don't have to stop them completely, but in some cases we like to stop them for two weeks and replace them with vegetables that have those vitamins and minerals. So you're not creating a deficiency because fruits have a lot of vitamins and minerals. They are beneficial. The only thing is you remove them and you replace them with something else so that the body doesn't have any micro deficiencies. But the most important part is to understand that fruits is not always the enemy. You know, people end up having these large platters of fruits with no protein, with no fiber, so it creates blood sugar spikes. I know people who have fruits like every single day, they have no diabetes, no weight problems, but they're eating in balance and they're pairing it the right way with fiber and with protein. So is the five fruits a day recommendation really appropriate? I don't know where that came from. That was, that was a big myth. Mm. 
we don't need five fruits a day. We can do with one or two or three fruits, depending on what you're really trying to achieve. Mm. You know, and then you have vegetables. Yeah, because five fruits a day, then you're constantly eating throughout the day. You're never really giving your digestive system a break. Yeah. So technically what you do, I think the biggest, the biggest problem is when people put five fruits in that smoothie jar and they mix it up. That's a sugar bomb right mm. then. Mm. You know, mm. people should actually put a CGMS monitor on, have that smoothie, and then realize it's the unhealthiest thing for them ever. Now, one of the factors that's often spoken about in nutrition is food combinations. For instance, a person who works out would be encouraged to consume a banana and may also be prescribed milk. But when you talk about a banana milkshake, that's usually a feature on the diets of those who are looking to gain weight. So are these claims unfounded? It depends on people. It depends on everyone. Mm. Like there are concepts of Ayurveda that says don't mix milk and fish, mm. which actually makes absolute sense. But there are people who have milk and fish all the time and nothing happens to them. See, everyone is different. We look at a suggested pairing of food. If you want to look after your metabolic health, what is metabolic health? It looks after your weight, your BP, inflammation, immunity, everything. That's your metabolic health. So today, a lot of fit people die. They're fit, but they don't have great metabolic health. So the point of metabolic health, the way that we have a flow of the way our, our, our patients eat and our people eat is very simple. If you have food in front of you, the first thing that will go in are the raws. So I'm going to put my raw salad in, then I'm going to do my cooked vegetables. So by doing this, I'm lining my system okay, with plant cellulose. And after that, I'm going to have my proteins. And last, I'm going to have my carbs. So if you follow this flow, what's going to happen is your metabolic health is going to improve because you're not going to have spikes in your blood sugar levels. Doesn't matter if you're diabetic or not diabetic. Mm. So technically, let's say we're looking at an Indian meal right now. Okay, I have my raw salad, some cucumber slices, carrot slices, or a fancy salad, whatever it is. I'm going to have the raw first. Then I'm going to have my cooked vegetable. Now I'm going to have my protein source. So if it's chicken or fish or paneer or whatever it is, I am. Now let's say your protein source today was a dal and a rice. Which one are you going to have first? I will still have maybe one or two tablespoons of the rajma or the chana or the dal. Protein first. And now I will have my grain. So by following this flow, I line my stomach and my intestine with a mucus-like gel that happens when I break down the raws and the cooked vegetables. Mm. So now when I finally eat my carb, there's not going to be a sugar dump. But if I eat my carbs first, there's a complete sugar dump and a spike in my blood sugar levels. And that's what affects aging, skin, metabolic health, lifestyle diseases and everything else. So the idea is to keep the spikes gradual, whether you're diabetic or not. Diabetes is, uh, is fluctuation, but today most people have. So you're constantly eating, you're spiking, crashing, spiking, crashing, and that's why you feel more hungry and you keep eating throughout the day. So by following this flow, you can be anywhere. I could be on an airline, okay, and I just got a very limited food. I can still see, is there something raw? If there's nothing raw, can I take first the cooked part before I put the carb in my system? Or can I take the protein first and then put the carb in my system? So it's all about, it's science. It's basically science, anatomy, and biology working together. What goes in first? That's important. So if you start your day with a donut or like a muffin, it's the worst thing you can do. You start with a fruit juice or a smoothie with fruits in. Now you can understand what's happening. Sugar spike doesn't matter. You are still going to have metabolic health issues. Now, even though their benefits have been established over and over again, we know that sweet basil seeds and fenugreek seeds are not consumed in the desired quantity. Can you talk to our listeners about how beneficial these are? 
most people in the Indian, Indian household is looking at fancy stuff like chia seeds and stuff like that. It exists in everyone's kitchen, mm -hmm. but it's considered oh, that's a that's a poor man's food. It's a spice that people look down upon, but it's actually a superfood. So using basil seeds, sweet basil seeds in summer is one of the most cooling seeds that you use. You know, you find them in your faludas or people just soak them in water. They swell up. It's great for constipation. It's great for gut issues. But people want more fancy stuff, laxatives and fiber gel capsules and all of that stuff. Fenugreek is in everyone's kitchen. It's one of the most powerful seeds when it comes to diabetes, when it comes to skin, when it comes to hair, when it comes to digestion. But when people are moving to white pastas and white sauces, they, there is no requirement for a fenugreek going into this. Mm. But if we're going back to our roots, eating, have your pasta, but you're having your basic Indian food, your curries, which have all of these garam masalas that contain fenugreek, that mm. contain basil and all of that stuff. We're literally going back to our wisdom that actually maintained health before people started following all of these, you know, fancy foods and superfoods and it's not really helping with the statistics of health right now. Right. So these are fantastic seeds. They're very cheap, inexpensive, and it can be utilized every single day in people's diets. You've already established in this conversation that consuming curd at night is not a wise choice. What are the other common mistakes that you see people making when it comes to having certain foods at the wrong time? Any food consumed after 10 o'clock is, is the wrong food for the human body. Okay. Any late night meal is the wrong food, whether it's healthy or whether it's unhealthy. Mm. Because after sunset, three to four hours after sunset, our ability to digest food is at its lowest. Okay. Now people are working shifts and people are doing it. It's okay because they're on a new circadian rhythm. Mm. But today I'm eating at eight, tomorrow I'm eating at 12 midnight. Tomorrow I'm eating at 9, then I'm eating at 10.30. More, all of these people will have a, either have acidity problems, digestion problems, or sugar level problems. Now, do they need pills to fix that, or do they need to just change the way that they eat and the time that they eat? So late night meals, whatever it is, is bad for you. Number two is if you're constantly snacking throughout the day, mindlessly. Because then when does the body ever get a break? Mm to you know, replenish its acids, replenish its digestive enzymes if we're constantly eating. And that's why the concept of fasting works so brilliantly because people keep that gap, the body heals, new enzymes are formed and you're ready to digest your next meal more effectively. And that's why fasting works for people who do it the right way. So these are some of the common mistakes than eating before sunrise. We're technically not supposed to eat before sunrise because, you know, when the sun rises, our circadian rhythm resets and our digestive system starts. Cortisol levels come. It prepares us for digestion. So if we're eating mindlessly at 2 in the morning, 3 in the morning, see, once in a way, it's absolutely fine. But if this is becoming a habit, it is definitely going to have a negative impact on our health. Do you think it is the food or the incorrect ways of consuming food that leads to inflammation? It's everything. So pollution. Today in Mumbai, we have worse quality air than Delhi on many of these days in the month. I track it every single day because we have lung cancer patients, children with lung issues. So I'm always looking at our air quality index to, to see what's happening because if you have a patient who's coughing, you can relate it. So inflammation is being caused by the air that we breathe today quality of air. Of course, the wrong foods are very simple. Your refined oils, your junk food, your deep fried foods, your fast foods and stuff and white sugar. Too much of it is creating inflammation. But then there are also anti-inflammatory foods like your turmeric, your vegetables, your fruits and all that bring down inflammation. Stress absolutely creates inflammation. Chronic stress, mm. not day-to-day -day stress. Like I'm chronically stressed about something, negative about something, it will create stress. Overtraining. A lot of people try to punish their bodies with exercise because they've eaten too much or they're guilty and you know all of that stuff. Overtraining will create inflammation. 
undertraining and a sedentary lifestyle will also create inflammation. Mm. Now, if we're sleep deprived, our inflammation is higher. If we sleep well, because it's when we sleep that the body actually reduces inflammation. And then, of course, there are certain drugs like, you know, chemotherapy, radiation, heavy steroids that can create inflammation as a side effect, but that can also be managed. So, there are a lot of factors around us that create inflammation. So obviously then the recommendations that you would have for someone who wants to reduce inflammation will depend on what among these factors is affecting them. But do you have like some basic tips for anyone to deal with inflammation? Start off with a few anti-inflammatory foods like your turmerics, your spices like your gingers, your cinnamons, your cloves which goes into a garam masala if you're eating a balanced meal anyway. Okay, exercise, being gentle with yourself. If you're overtraining, like sometimes you overtrain for a particular thing but you have to, have, you have to also supplement, you have the right vitamins. Most people are overtraining today on bodies with low vitamin D3 levels. That's an inflammation bomb right there. So we, we look at their blood reports, we try to get, uh, do you have the basic levels to do the kind of training program that you want to do? you know, your exercise program, how much of water, dehydration will cause inflammation again. Mm. So with stress, it's always about people, people, especially in Mumbai city, accept that, oh, our lives are stressed, this is how it is. That's exactly how it's going to be. You know, we, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't be satisfied with mediocre, we shouldn't be satisfied with average, because that's exactly what you're going to be. And that's exactly what you're going to get. And that's exactly what the city gives you, if that's what you expect. But the whole point is, that's why we teach people mindfulness. Is this what I really, really want? Is this stress adding value to my life is my stress my own inability to you know bring down my ego bring down my pride because finally everyone's stressed today everyone listening to this knows right now if you have five problems there are only two things to do you either accept or let go there's nothing else in between but what's not allowing you to accept and let go is your own ego and pride while you may be right sometimes we got to lose certain things you want to be the larger person allow someone else not to drain you out anymore so you let go or accept their behavior but this, the fundamentals of stress is your choice. What I want to hold on to, am I trying to control things that I cannot control? You're obviously going to have stress. Yeah. You can't. So you have to let go of the things that you cannot control and the ones that you can, you put more energy into that. So when you break down stress, every, because everyone says, oh, everyone has stress. So it's accepted. It's glorified, in fact. Mm -hmm. I'm stressed out. I'm stressed out. So this is all negative self-talk, which affects your body. So the solutions are simple. You can sit, meditate for one hour in the morning. It's useless if you don't change and mindfully, you know, go through your day with acceptance and letting go. Okay. So we teach them all of these things, the basic things, but practice it with consistency. So they felt good on day one. What did you do? I slept well. I meditated. I exercised. Good. Now do it on day two. Hmm. Now do it on day three. The day that you fall off, you'll know how you feel based on because you broke consistency. So that's how we coach them on consistency and that automatically becomes your discipline. Are there any recommendations that you have for athletes involved in vigorous sessions? Absolutely. Athletes have to eat for the kind of game they are playing and the performance levels that they need to be at. Mm. So their protein will go up, their carbs will go up, their fats will go up, the number of meals may go up. So if they're weight training for strength, their protein will increase. On a cardio day, maybe their carbs would increase or decrease depending on what their goal is. Mm. So their food is directly proportionate to the kind of activity and the kind of game that they're playing, the sports there. So it's a very, very different diet. There would be supplements, there would be additional whey protein to keep up to their body demand. So it is a very specific diet. Now we know that people consume sports drinks often unchecked in the season and we know that they are loaded with sugar. Um, that obviously has its disadvantages, right? All don't do it because a lot of them, it slows them down. It's full of sugar. Yeah, exactly. While it's got electrolytes, mm. our, our athletes who perform, you know, whether they're playing cricket, football, 
rugby, basketball, whatever it is, you will never see them having a colored bottle of Gatorade because it gives you energy, it balances your electrolytes, but after that you have a sugar crash. Your performance actually decreases. So they would do a simple electral or they would do simple supplemental salts in a bottle of water with not all the colored drinks, minus the color, minus the preservatives and sugar. So that's a whole marketing gimmick, you know, for all of these bottles. And we don't recommend them because while you get electrolytes, you're also getting a ton of sugar in them. You've shared some great insights about how people need to think about not only what they eat, but also the manner in which they consume them. Now, I could follow everything you said and still not see improvement if I'm stressed or I haven't slept enough. And that's something you speak a lot about when you talk about integrated medicine. Can you take us back to the time when you realized that this amalgamation was important? So that was about eight years because we had the best doctors, the best nutritionists, we had superfoods, we had personal trainers, we had everything. But yet India was the highest when it came to cancer, cardiovascular and diabetes. It still is. We're the highest in the world. But we have so much, so much awareness, YouTube influencers, content, all of this everywhere. But what's the missing link? It is not diet. Because if we go onto the road in Mumbai city and we look at laborers who sleep on the road, their kids, and what do they eat? Nothing close to even an almond or a Brazil nut or what we get to eat. Mm. Are they in hospital with the problems that we have, lifestyle diseases? Absolutely not. But sleep is something that the urban city, we all have fancy diets, or order salad bowls, but we're sleep deprived. Mm. Sleep and emotional stress are at the top. And that's when I realized there was a gap. And so that gap we fill with lifestyle medicine and that's exactly what we do. So integrative and lifestyle medicine is yes, you need an important diet, but it's useless like you said without sleep. So how do we get you to sleep well and also eat well? You don't need to do extreme diets. Keep it simple. Like when we look at our data, our oldest patients who are 92, 93, 94, healthiest, no disease. They're eating everything. They're happy people. They sleep on time, simple lives, one, two drinks a day at 92 and 93. So the point is, it's lifestyle at the end of the day, and that's what we do. So how do we also improve your emotional wellness? Now, if you're stressed out today, can I motivate you to eat an apple? No, you won't. You'll want a chocolate. You'll want something that makes you feel good. Mm. So how do we control emotional eating? By first controlling stress and emotions. We can't just say it's bad for you, bad for you, because then you fail and then you feel guilty and then you feel you're not good enough. So emotional wellness and sleep are at the top of the paradigm because if you don't sleep well, your eating habits change next day because of ghrelin and leptin, two hormones that it's not your fault, it controls you. Yeah. So that's why we put sleep, emotional wellness at the top and then we integrate it with your exercise and your nutrition. So all of them are important, but everyone's only taken out diet and exercise and glorified that. Mm. But then why is the world still sick? Mm. Why do we still have weight problems, diabetes and stuff if you know there's so much awareness? Because the whole model has to be around these four pillars working together. For very long, we spoke about the three pillars of fitness, that's training, eating and resting, which like a tripod basically had to work together to effect change. That now has of course changed. We are talking about emotional and mental health as well. If I have to ask you, among these pillars, do you believe that the influence of one is more than the other? I would put emotional and sleep together at the top, equal. Okay. Because if I've not slept well, I can't be emotionally fine the next day. I'm mm. going to be irritable. Mm. It's like the battery's not charged. Mm. And at the same time, if I'm emotionally distressed, I can't sleep. Right. So these two are actually at the top because then they determine whether I will work out mm. the next day or skip my workout. Mm. It'll also determine what I eat the next day. So I put that at the top, emotional wellness and sleep. So technically a good night of sleep, even if you have problems in your life and you have a good night, you wake up feeling fabulous, more energy to handle the day. So these two are actually at the top of the paradigm. The last thing that I have to ask you, Luke, is the focus on wellness has shifted from food and exercise 
to also include emotional and mental well-being. Is there something relating to wellness that you think will gain attention in the future? Perhaps it's something that's important but not discussed enough yet? I don't think, I think there's loads of content out. There's one thing that I want to speak about, responsibility. Okay. While there's so much, no one's taking responsibility. Everyone wants more and more content. Everyone's consuming reels. But no one is taking responsibility for starting to implement that. There's so much of knowledge but lack of action. So we don't need more knowledge. Everyone knows what they should be doing right. Of course, specific diseases are always complicated. You have to look at it from different angles and help a patient. Doctors have to work together with us to figure out root causes, decide medication, put in side effect treatment, all of that stuff. Mm. But for everyone else, everyone today who's struggling with a weight problem, with diabetes, with lifestyle diseases, let's call it that, the simple lifestyle disease, they already know what they need to do to change. Mm. So there's too much of content, but a lack of responsibility. No one wants to take, they, they want to say, oh, I followed you. You said this, it didn't work for me. Now what? There's blame. There's projection of their shortcomings on everyone else because they, everyone's outsourced their health. Emotional health, mental health is over glorified. It is a problem, but it's over glorified. It's yeah. over glorified. Look at today's world. There's entitlement. People have everything. So many kids out there have more than any generation before had. Why are they depressed? Why are they emotionally low? The system lacks discipline and consistency. There's so much of consumption but no action. So I would say the problem is not a lack of content. There is enough of content. If people want more complication, in fact, it's becoming complicated because now everyone's spoken the same thing. So now how can I be different by speaking something complicated? But does the, is that complication even necessary when you're not doing the basic fundamentals? So I always tell people, if you've got the fundamentals in place, great. Now if you're still having a problem, we can take a step into a little more complication. Hmm. But if you've not got the fundamentals in place, what's the point of more information and content? So the word is responsibility. Thank you for these wonderful insights, Luke. Thanks. I hope our listeners found it insightful. Stay tuned for more episodes on www.mid-day.com.